You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Please be seated. Our scripture reading comes today from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 45. Hear God's word. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, make me clean. Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. My name is Nori Williams, and I'm a senior at St. Gertrude. Go Gators, chom chom. See, they know, they know. (laughs) Let's lift our hearts and pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us all here today for Youth Sunday. Open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the sermons are taught today, that your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Two weeks ago, we started our new sermon series about Mark. Last week, we learned from Corey about Jesus beginning to pick up some of his disciples, how they were fishermen, and how he called them to follow him. We are all called like disciples to do specific things that the Bible teaches us about. 
This week, we're going to learn about how Jesus heals, how compassionate he is, and how he does things that no one else would have done. The passage for this week shows us how Jesus is going by his day-to-day routine by teaching. Like me, I get up, go to school, and come home. Or like you, you get up, go to work, and come home. Or maybe your routine isn't specific, and it may vary. But we all still have things to do. This specific moment, Jesus is teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. We see how Jesus is an amazing and wise teacher and how the people were so shocked and amazed that this was something Jesus could regularly do throughout the Bible. Out of nowhere, a man who is demon-possessed appears to mock and shout at Jesus. He begins to say things to Jesus about where he's from, specifically Nazareth. Let's keep in mind, Nazareth and Capernaum are not far from each other. Midway through the demon-possessed man shouting, Jesus tells him to be quiet. This specific moment, Jesus shows his power and authority by even making demons listen to him. Interesting, right? I personally would be quite scared if Jesus yelled at me, if I'm going to be honest. It's like your favorite teacher finally yelling at you. Scary, right? But I can say, personally, I was yelled at by Rick on our 2019 mission trip for continuously throwing a bottle of hand sanitizer at the boys' door to annoy them. Have I ever done that again? No. (laughs) Jesus saying, be quiet, also shows us how he has hit his limit and is a bit angry, which we don't see much of in the Bible. The man obeys, and Jesus removes the spirit. Okay, think about this. Corey's preaching in the church right here, right where I'm standing, and a congregation member gets up, yells, and mocks Corey during his sermon. We would all be so confused about what was happening. But Jesus wasn't confused. He heals the man, which is what that man needed. It's as if he almost yelled out to Jesus for a call to help. It's like when I screamed when my hand went through the glass door over there. (laughs) And everyone came over to help me. Okay, let's digress a little. My friends and I love talking about iconic films, especially from the 80s, which some of y'all probably all have watched, I hope. We love to talk about Dead Poets Society, my personal fave, The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, and many more. But the one iconic film I especially love to talk about is The Karate Kid. It teaches us so many life lessons. It's an iconic film, and it even won a Golden Globe Award. Okay, we see a young Daniel learn karate from his much older teacher, Mr. Miyagi, because he's being constantly attacked by Kreese and his Cobra Kai students. An amazing quote Mr. Miyagi says, we make a sacred pact, I promise to teach you karate, you promise to learn, I say you do, no questions. Jesus and Mr. Miyagi have similarities in being amazing teachers and having people listen to him. Jesus wants the best for us, and when it's time to listen, we need to listen. Listening to Jesus is something that will provide good results, even if we think listening to him is not something we want to do. But remember, Jesus only wants the best for us, like Mr. Miyagi only wanted the best for Daniel. Now that you've listened to me, it's time for you to go to listen to to Jesus in your ongoing lives and what he wants for you. And the church said, amen. All right. Good morning, church. My name is Hannah Whitaker. I am a senior at Veritas School. And I am so honored and blessed to be in front of you this morning. When I was about 13 years old, 
I was diagnosed with scoliosis. That meant that my back kind of curved into this ugly S shape. To stop the curve from growing as I grew, I had to wear this orthoplast brace for about 20 hours a day. To be fitted for this brace, I had to go to an orthotic center. The first time I walked in, I remember looking around and I realized that I was the only person who was either under 75 or who had all four of my limbs. <laughs> that was the first day that I remember being cognizant of my failing physical body. I felt broken and disheartened. After I was fitted for the brace, as I said, I had to wear it for about 20 hours a day. I couldn't sit without it digging into my skin. I couldn't stand without pain shooting down my back. And I couldn't walk more than a few feet without having to catch my breath. I was at 13 years old that I realized that my body was slowly failing me. I'm not sure if everyone's had that moment. That moment where they first became aware of their quickening physical decay. But there has to be some uh, transition from this childhood naivete of thinking that you, your parents, and probably even your dog would live forever. To the fear that encompasses us in all now, the fear of sickness and of death. Whenever you had this realization, we have all been forced to accept the reality of our imminent death. And if anything, these past two years have seemed to have been speeding up that process. As millions have died across the world, we have been forced to encounter sickness and death, even in our own homes. Yet this morning, we have the audacity to preach that the Savior that we serve heals. Where is this healing power now? If God is the healer that we say he is, why am I not healed? Why are you not healed? Why are millions still dying across the world? One of my classmates' mom actually died of cancer this week. Why did she not get to see her children graduate, have children of their own, get married? She was a faithful servant. Why was she not healed? How insane are we? Is this church to claim that Jesus heals? In his gospel, especially in these few verses that we're going to be talking about this morning, Mark is reassuring us that this actually isn't that crazy of a claim that the Jesus we serve is still at work, healing our lives even when we cannot see it. So to pick up where Anari left off in verse 29, Jesus has just completed a long day of teaching, healing, casually driving out demons when he comes to Simon and Andrew's house, probably expecting dinner and rest. He's greeted by learning of their mother-in-law's sickness. Immediately, it says, he responds. He goes into her, he takes her hand, and he helps her up. Another translation, it says he comes, he goes, he takes her by the hand, he lifts her up, he raises her up, he brings her to her feet. And in otherwise three small actions, her life has changed, she is healed. First, he immediately visits her without hesitation by her side. She is not alone. Next, he takes her hand. He reminds her of his presence. He intimately connects with her and she is lifted up and fully healed. Why do you think that Jesus would not do the same for you? Because in fact, he already has. In our lowly state, we have been visited by Jesus. When God saw the condition of our hearts, he immediately entered into the world. John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and has made his dwelling among us. 
Jesus has entered into our hearts. He's entered into this room. He's in our hospitals. He's in our schools. He is in our workplaces, in our times of sorrow, and in our moments of joy. Jesus is here. And not only is he here, but he has chosen intimate connection with each and every one of us. By his Holy Spirit, he has taken our hand and walked beside us through life. One of the hymns that my school sings in the morning is, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. I think this hymn so perfectly captures what I'm trying to say here, probably in words better even than I can say. The second verse says, All the way my Savior leads me. He cheers each winding path I tread. He gives me grace for every trial. He feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul athirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. Jesus has entered into the room. He has taken our hand and holding on to him, we have grace for every trial. And lastly, we are lifted up. We have life eternal. We've been healed from sin, church, a sickness far more deadly than anything we experience here. Just as the next verse says in this hymn, perfect rest to you and me is promised. And our Father's blessed embrace when our spirit clothed immortal wings its flight to realms of day. This is my song. This is our song through endless ages. Jesus has led us all the way. Endless ages, life eternal. Talk about miraculous healing. Now, in response to her healing in verse 31, it says, the fever left her, she began to wait on them. Simon's mother-in-law's first response to her healing was service. Now, in light of all the things that I have just said, in light of him, in light of this perfect rest that we have been promised, what is your response to being healed? You were created with eternity in mind. How does that change the way that you and I live? How has, is it, how has encountering Jesus and being healed, healed by him changed your life? Your life is the testament to this healing power of Jesus. If we as a church want to continue to claim that Jesus heals, how will we spread that good word if we do not live lives that reflect the change that comes at the touch of Jesus' hand? Not sure if he does this on purpose, but in the next section of his passage, Mark sets up a perfect contrast to kind of explain all this. Later that evening, Jesus is again casting out demons, and it says, the whole town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. The message translation says that they knew his true identity. They have encountered Jesus. They have been touched by his power. They have felt his hand, and yet they are, well, demons. If you have encountered Jesus, if you and I have been healed by him, touched by him, impacted by him, and we have not changed, our lives have not been radically turned upside down, maybe we're just as good as them. They know his true identity is the healer, and they do not change. John Calvin says in his book, The Institutes of Christian Theology, that we cannot say that God is known where there is no religion or piety. He defines piety as the union of reverence and the love of God, which his knowledge inspires. Church, do we know Jesus? Remember that the first action that Simon's mother-in-law takes is service. Jesus has healed us all for something. In each breath we take, in each sickness we conquer, and every storm that subsides, 
and in every moment that we survive, Jesus is undoing the kingdom of this world, the kingdom filled with death and with sickness, and he is bringing his kingdom to earth. You have been healed into eternity. How has that changed you? I ended up wearing that back brace for about two years. It broke me as I sat on the sidelines of life, unable to do anything a normal teenager would do, like walk without running into anything, or play at recess, or even take a full breath. But just as vividly as I remember that first waiting room, I also remember the first time I took that brace off. When I undid the Velcro, that breath of air was the best breath that I had ever taken. I had never been excited to breathe, but suddenly I was. Church, I hope that you and I never lose the joy of taking a deep breath for the first time. I hope that we never lose the wonder of being healed. And I hope that you and I are forever changed because our lives are a testament to the fact that Jesus does still heal. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Jonathan Murphy, and I am also a senior at Veritas School. Uh, I'm delighted to be with you this morning. I'll be picking up in verse 35 of Mark chapter 1, discussing Jesus rising in the morning to pray, going out to preach and heal in nearby towns, and then healing our friend the leper. Verses 35 through 39, Jesus waking up and praying, are often thought of as an introduction to the story concerning the leper whom Jesus heals but they are telling a small story of their own that I didn't realize at first or even second glance. Anari and Hannah discussed how in the prior verses, Jesus casts out demons, heals Simon's mother-in-law, and does all sorts of healing. And then we get a brief interlude where he goes out and prays, and then we meet the leper. When we look at this prayer story, we notice that it is flanked on either side by healing stories. I don't know if this is Mark's doing, But by placing the story where it is, we see a fundamental aspect of prayer highlighted. Prayer and time with God ultimately heals us. Spending time with God is what we were created to do. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden before the fall. When we spend time with God on a regular basis through prayer or through reading scripture or through just being still, we grow in spiritual strength and move towards becoming the man or woman God meant for us to be. I happen to be a bit of a car nut, and I thought that this analogy was rather apt. Quiet times with God are to us like oil changes on a car. You may be able to miss one or two without noticing negative side effects, but make a habit of skipping them, and you'll be stuck on the side of the road needing some serious engine work. Obviously, the analogy can only take us so far, but how many of us have wondered why God seems to be distant or silent in our lives, only to realize that we haven't exactly been looking for him? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says in Revelation 3. Jesus is God. He could break down the door if he so chose, but he doesn't. He sometimes knocks harder than other times to make sure we're aware that he's there, but we still have to open the door to him. After praying, Jesus is found by his disciples, and he goes out to nearby towns to preach. 
Sometime while he's doing this, a leper approaches him. Falling to his knees, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus responds by touching him and saying, I am willing, be clean, and the man is cleansed. Lepers were social outcasts of Israel. Having highly contagious skin diseases, they had to isolate away from anyone healthy and little leper colonies outside the city. If people were walking by, lepers had to shout, unclean, unclean. If anyone touched the leper, he was unclean and had to be checked for an outbreak and ceremonially cleansed. Lepers were the lowest of the low. So when Jesus and company see one coming towards them, one can expect the disciples were frantically backing up, you know, Jesus, where are you going? As he approaches the man. Jesus, however, sees the faith first, not the disease. He's not oblivious to the fact that the man has leprosy. In the NIV, it says, the leper states to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. But here I'm partial to the ESV translation, which says, if you will, you can make me clean. This shows the active nature of Jesus' will. This is the will that created the world that brought stars and galaxies and planets into being. It's not like the leper says, hey, Jesus, I hope you happen to be in a willing mood or in a good mood because, you know, I have a favor to ask, you know, do you happen to be able to heal me at this moment? You know, he doesn't say that. The leper realizes that Jesus has power not through magic or rituals, but directly through his will. Notice also the order in which Jesus responds to the man's request. He reaches out. He touches him. The man still has leprosy at this point. You don't do that. According to the law, Jesus is technically ceremonially unclean at this point. Then he says, I am willing. Be clean. Man is cleansed. Then we get a strange moment where Jesus tells the man not to tell anyone about this, but go to the priest and get an official temple status of healed and clean. Why did Jesus say this? And was the man wrong for going and telling people about it? Jesus wasn't trying to use reverse psychology on this man to make him spread the news. Jesus doesn't exploit sinful desires to disobey. Scholar N.T. Wright says, It wasn't just that if news of spectacular healings got round, he soon wouldn't be able to move for the crowds, and this is more or less what happens. It was that he might be attracting the wrong kind of notice. People would get angry. He was bypassing the system. And soon the question would be asked, is he really a loyal Jew? Jesus told the leper to keep his healing a secret so that his work could be accomplished in the time that God had planned. But he also told him to show the priest so that the leper could have a healed life in society in addition to his healed body. He's verified as being fully restored. We've seen today how Jesus heals in many powerful ways. He heals bodies, he heals souls, he heals lives. He does not prevent all infirmity and suffering. You know, Hannah mentioned our classmate whose mother passed away. But he's no farther away from us in those times of suffering than otherwise. And he is willing to show himself to you through that pain, through that illness, through that weariness, or whatever may be trying you in your life. All you have to do is open the door to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that even in the worst situations, you show us a ray of your glory and of your healing. Please help us to see you and praise you in both the good times and the bad. We love you. We glorify you. Thank you that you heal us from our sin. In the precious name of Jesus.
Amen.